There was an idea that two podcasters could join together and cover every single superhero television show and movie that exists. Scott and Chris combined their talents to form Bingestorm and to make this idea a reality. Then Barry Allen popped in and reminded us that short of having time-altering super speed, there's no way in hell we can accomplish that in one lifetime, but we'll do what we can. So anywho, welcome back to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. City birds don't don't fucking play, man. Anyway, no, they don't. <laughs> hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, uh, the bird uh, episode. We're going to be talking about <laughs> little mutant chick thingies. Thank God, really none of that in this episode. But we're doing uh, Legion season two, episode two, which is chapter ten. Oh man, I'm Scott McGregor, and I'm here with hair metal hero Chris Tyler over there, and Patrick Ooh. Delmore over there. Who, uh, hey. who does a uh, very fine podcast himself, as does Chris, but y'all know him, so we'll let Patrick uh, pimp himself for a second. Go ahead and tell us about your podcast real quick. Uh, it is called Next Generation's First Generation, which I host with uh, my good buddy Sasha Shouties, and we are doing commentaries on all of Star Trek The Next Generation. We're just about done with the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, the episode that dropped was Arsenal of Freedom. One where Jordy commands the Enterprise. Ooh. We just kind of look at it from what we remember as being little kids watching the show to how we relate to it as adults. Excellent. And the yeah. name again is Next Generation's First Generation, and it's on Libsyn and iTunes and Stitcher. Well, what is All right. We know about this Stitcher thing. We're behind the times here, hero. Um, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, let's get into this weirdness. Uh, oh, yeah, let's do it. David, uh, fresh from his vivid recollection of his orb abduction and ready to place his full blind trust in the mute future Sid he met there, uh, has arranged a mental meeting with Farouk's puppet emissaries, Lenny and Oliver. Uh, the plan they arranged, uh, which is on a carousel, because you know, they got to meet on a carousel for some reason, is for uh, just for an excuse to give Aubrey Plaza an excuse to lick a lollipop. So I approve. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so they they uh, plan on David creating a diversion that will allow Farouk to enter Division Three to search for something there, and uh, Oliver just kind of is blathering about asking Pumas for their opinion or something like that. <laughs> I my mind went blank. Uh, David insists that no one is to be hurt. Well, let me tell you. Uh, so Oliver goes to meet with somebody in a Zoltan fortune teller booth. <laughs> I thought I was going to say the doctor is in. Yeah, yeah, right. That would have been acceptable. That's what too. I was thinking, too. Yeah. So I Peanuts. got that right, though. Zoltan, I think, I think is the, Zoltan. the correct fortune Zoltar. teller. Zoltar, maybe. Right. But actually, it's uh, revealed to be Oliver himself. It's in, of course, like a mined wheat field out in the middle of nowhere. So David Potomini, Sid, and the three mustached androids that we learn are called Vermilion, why not, are in a vehicle headed toward where they think Farouk's body is located, but when David stops them, they only find a music box, and it's a decoy um, and apparently an intentional attempt to mess with Sid's head. Now David uh, leads them into the desert on a wild goose chase. Farouk brings Oliver and Lenny to D3 headquarters, 
And it's, you know, it's not really Farouk walking around, it's Oliver and Lenny. And despite David's stipulation that no one gets hurt, Farouk wreaks uh, considerable havoc in the compound. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oliver and Lenny dance down the halls of uh, D3 to the tune of Swinging on a Star, which is what the music box was, box was also playing. Um, basically just disintegrating all the adult guards they see, with the exception of a pair of musically mandated transmorphications. Uh, would you rather be a pig? So, blammo, one guy's a pig, and would you rather be a fish? We got a fish. Uh, <laughs> Farouk doesn't obliterate Division Three's child soldiers, though, and can, instead convinces them to run away. So we think maybe this is a little result of Oliver, a nugget of Oliver still being good in there. Because uh, what we know of Farouk, he wouldn't really give a shit about sparing children, I guess. Meanwhile, Carrie with, a, Carrie with a C. This one gets a little wiggy, kids. So try to <laughs> try to follow. But actually, this is a this is great. Carrie with a C is talking to absorbed Carrie with a K, and is examining the orb that took David and drops probably the biggest X Easter egg ever when he says, "I thought it was Shi'ar technology." That was my first <laughs> guess. Mm. A bunch of us at home went, what? Did you oh, my Lord. That? I even had to post it on the Facebook. I was so alarmed. That's a big drop. It is. It's, a super, it's a super nerd drop. It really is. It is just like, as much as this, it doesn't have to mean something. I mean, as, as much as this show goes out of its way to avoid X Easter eggs, I mean, it really does. You know, it throws in some, like, an X-shaped window and shit every now and then, and we, you know, they still haven't named Charles Xavier by name, and pretty much nothing other than David is in any comic books, but Shire is fucking in comic books, boys and girls. Deep. So, yeah. And them all for is in comic books. And they haven't even gone there in the movies or anything yet. I mean, I, it's, like, rumored that even the Dark Phoenix movie coming out probably isn't even going to go with the Shire thing, so, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, so he then he remarks that it feels like he designed it, which is probably true, given it's from the future. So Oliver, I mean, take uh, you guys had the same geekasm I did when you heard that. Just, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I read your post on online first. <laughs> I try to stay spoiler free, except when it just hits me over the head like that, and I can't help myself. But <laughs> when I wrote you guys for the first time, that was my uh, that was my idea that that's what that sphere was was Shiar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we're hip. Sometimes we're with it. I'm still thinking, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that that could definitely... I didn't know what I thought at the end of last season. Go back and listen to our episode. But, I don't think I knew either. Yeah. No, I still, I'm, I'm still getting the feeling, just as bizarro as this is, that I, I'm going to say it now, that Mojo is going to make a fucking appearance somehow. That would be sweet. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do that, but this is the one show they could because nothing's really out of bounds. Hey, uh, anything that brings like us one Mojo verse now. Anything that brings <laughs> us one step closer to Longshot, I'm down for it. I know. Wouldn't that be just like kind of an amazing way they all of a sudden meet Longshot out of the blue somewhere? It would just freak people right the hell out, or at least a certain percentage of us. Do they yes, even, us. Does Longshot even exist in the X universe anymore? I wonder. They ever do I don't know more with him. He had a mini series about five years ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Longshot saves the Marvel universe. Of course he does. Yeah. Well, he would. He's, he's the one with the, the luck powers. Those nebulous <sighs> luck powers that we can have work any way we want them to. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so Oliver Farouk goes to creep on Melanie's room for a minute. 
And he goes to the chatterer's room and appears as Farouk for a second. And Oliver then confronts Carrie and causes the other Carrie to come out to fight him. And Carrie with a C is dragged through the floor by Lenny, who flicks a spoon that he's trying to defend himself with. <laughs> I don't know why. You use what you got, man. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work very well. Um, she just kind of flicks it and looks evil. And the Summerlin team reunites, but Carrie and Carrie are having problems recombining as male Carrie winds up inside of female Carrie. Yes, I know how that sounded. And oh, emails yeah. to Weekly Heroics at Yahoo.com. <laughs> um, uh, we cut to a scene. The that, result of which is he's mostly in female Mostly, Carrie. yes. And we have one Listen. arm sticking out. Uh, we cut to a scene of Oliver. Yeah, I already read that one. David, Melanie, and Sid go to consult Baskethead. Um, and we find out, except Baskethead's not actually there. It's just the three of the androids. And we find out that Oliver Farouk needs uh, Migo Monk, which he thinks is at Division 3. And then the Sunny Share, we're just going to call them Sunny Share Androids from now on, by the way. Uh, say it's impossible as the Migo Monks were wiped out by the Miser Sunday long before David's time. Yeah, I'm just like, what the fuck? Is that fuck blood is coming out of my ear? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why not? He said Migo, so I have to listen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Miser Sunday, just. I'm, I'm guessing like a weird Legion verse supervillain or something, or a delicious Dairy Queen treat. <laughs> that could be too. <laughs> well, we're in a land of waffle boats, so why not? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I need a waffle. Okay, we get some more exposition. Uh, Farouk's body was hidden with the monks, and Sunny Share accused David of lying and intentionally leading them off so Farouk could attack. Um, which he kind of did, and Melanie tells him, back off my weapon, bitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little tension going on. Uh, David goes to inspect the car, or he basically says, I don't know if I'd piss off the one guy that, that could save us, you know, if I were you. Uh, David goes to inspect the carnage and kind of sees psychically what happened, and Sonny and Cher are spying on him. Carrie has to guide David through a very dangerous exercise, and a female Carrie who's still in control, and uh, David's trying to get her to do the science stuff, uh, needs to conduct him through a very dangerous exercise in multidimensional perception, another trip in the pod, in other words, and David is actually act actively being advised by several voices in his head now, and I thought I noticed it last season, like in one quick scene, but now he's like literally talking to other personalities in his head. The Legion, you might say. Yeah, uh, so it looks like they're <laughs> be moving a little more towards the, the dissociative identity disorder that he has in the comics. Uh, but it wasn't really, it hasn't been really pronounced until this episode. It yeah. A couple words in the last one, but now he's he's actively advising himself on things, you know, ask her this, or, you know. So to find out why helping Farouk uh, find this monk is a good idea, David asked Carrie, um, Again, who's still trapped in Carrie. Uh, just do the math yourself, kids. To devise a way for him to perceive the world outside of space and time, ostensibly to continue hunting Farouk, um, but really so he can pay future Sid another visit. You know, he's looking for some, some of that good future nookie, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> More, you know, experienced Sid he wants to try out. Uh, without... <laughs> Understanding, yeah, I'm going to get in so much trouble with my girlfriend for these. Without understanding the real reason for David's interest in seeing the future, uh, Carrie agrees to help, but he warns that the modifications to his machine will be dangerous and that David could explode. 
but it's a risk he's willing to take to find out why he just let a bunch of people die. So David gets a little bent out of shape by the force of the machine, uh, and he manages to stave off total explosion, luckily, and reach a glitchy room where the haggard one-armed Sid of the future, so she is missing an arm. Good, good yep. catch, uh, Pat, on last episode. Because um, I did not notice it in the last episode, but uh, she's pulled in to meet him, and this time, luckily, she can speak, and she, of course, says, it's impossible that you're here. And he's like, I'm Legion, bitch. You know, come on. If you've been watching this show, I can freaking do anything that the plot calls for. <laughs> the most important thing Future uh, Sid tells David is that something far worse than the Shadow King is coming, and that the only chance they have to stop it is to leave Farouk alive and hope that he helps them. So, what? And to console David over the lives he's allowed Farouk to take, uh, Future said that what's coming kills everyone, you know, that Shadow King did his damage, but this thing kills everyone um, in her timeline. But by her logic, the handful of deaths, you know, it's the needs of the many over the needs of the few type of thing. So a few deaths and livestock transformations are, you know, the price we <laughs> got to pay. <laughs> so, you know, any, any thoughts on, on the impending future threat? I mean, being the comic ex-geek, obviously, I went to like, oh, Apocalypse. But I'm like, no, they can't do Apocalypse. And like, should it just be like fucking Phoenix? But like, no Phoenix movie coming out. So, I mean, I could if if they were so inclined. If they do reveal whatever version of Charles Xavier they're going to reveal, they could do a variation of Onslaught. Something, yeah. That's yeah, something what I was like thinking. That. Is that it's like maybe this is canonical to Logan. Ooh, could be. I don't, yeah, I don't know. That um, would be interesting. I I would give long shot or uh, long shot, but um. I, Onslaught a better, better odds than than Longshot Logan, because um, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean they've they've accepted that Xavier's out there, even though they haven't named him, and they've got Shire. You know, it could be Shire Invasion too, or something like that. Um, but Gene's such a big part of Onslaught, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there's ways to work to it though. To introduce Magneto, and you wouldn't have to. You could just have it be a corrupt version of Charles. Yeah, you know, there's way there's ways around it. Yeah, actually, I don't think they're they're. It doesn't seem like the the Fox bosses are. I, I'm just kind of amazed they were able to roll out Shyar because that just feels like something the movies would want to tap. You know, so maybe they're not as maybe they're learning the uh, the DCCW way, and that you know, it's like yeah, go play within the universe yourself, and movies and this are separate things. I'm all for it. Whatever they want to throw at us. Yeah, they could have the whole, uh, the whole you know, Imperial Guard show up in Legion and nobody would bat an eyelash. No, <laughs> yeah. I know. Just have them be exactly like they are in the comic. Gladiator, Gladiator just strolls in like, yo, sup? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Few of us would get it. I don't even know how they do it with this show. I mean, it doesn't have a huge, it's got some pretty wild effects, but I don't think it probably has a huge special effects budget for, like, big battles and stuff, but we'll see. Um, there's definitely some craft going into the, the stuff they do give us. Um, that takes some considerable time and resources. What the hell was yeah. I here? And a lot of acid. Yeah, something. Uh, I think they might be going right for the ayahuasca. I don't know if acid would even do it for this show. Um, so I'm told. <laughs> um, so she also mentions that her timeline in about a week from David's present 
he kills Farouk by smashing his head out in the desert. So what you can't say is whether or not David managed to survive. She kind of indicates that he does, but not in his current nice form, you know, uh, or, mm. you know, so the other rumor that I've read already online is that the big bad that's coming to kill everyone could be David himself. Yep. The only one that can eh, defeat David is the Shadow King. So nice cyclical weirdo thing going on there. Yeah, that would be that would be why Sid is so unwilling to talk about yeah what's going on with David in the future. But knowing this show, that's almost they've almost made that so obvious that it can't be true. So I'm, I'm confident that it's probably not just going to be David turning evil. Although I guess Noah Hawley, the mm. uh, the showrunner, has kind of described this as a villain origin story. So. Hmm. Oh boy! But I don't trust anything that fucker says because what he's <laughs> given us, you know, he's he's clearly a deceiver <laughs> and a magnificent bastard. Uh, yeah, it's complicated. Future Sid says understatement when it comes to this show, and uh, we get another lesson on reality by John Hamm and Oliver sending some poor kid to his doom to do a research experiment for John Hamm, presumably. And uh, Hamm tells us that our ability to decide, uh, decide our reality, you know, which is why we're the only species that goes mad. It starts off with this, you know, little animation of a tick and then a dog. And it's like most animals just interact with their universe, you know, like they're supposed to. But we dumb humans imagine things and drive ourselves crazy. So I kind of like that, actually. Yeah. John Hamm is becoming like a prophet to me. I'm going to keep following him. We'll see what he says on Twitter. And the prophet Ham spoke unto me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 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 I respect my prophets. I have the prophet Carlin and the prophet Hicks, prophet <laughs> Hunter Thompson. And, you know, I follow lots of cool prophets. Uh, yeah. Who all were doom and gloomers, too, and uh, they knew what was coming. Uh, David has another confrontation with Mr. Crispy Clark, who uh, knows quite a bit about David's tank explorations, and is, he, he reminds him, like, we see everything. And he's clearly pissed about the uh, murdery Oliver incident. Uh, he grills David pretty hard, and the tension between the allies is obviously getting more strained. And Clark tells David that he's on to him. And David gives himself a little pep talk and prepares for a confrontation with Farouk, which is just fucking glorious. Watch this show, people. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we, David sends us, do you want to say something, Chris? No, I'm just like, you'd go f- describe it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Both his, that, what? That scene where he was like, you know, Farouk, we need to talk. And the thing with Carrie with the arm sticking out of her felt like cliff like season ending cliffhangers to TV shows or the or like the last page of a comic book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like normally the narrative would stop at both those points and you'd be waiting for next week or we're only halfway through the episode at this point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dense, dense writing on on this show. I said I took uh, I took most of this recap from Entertainment Weekly and ended up rewriting most of it because I should be writing the recaps for these fucking pages actually because most of them suck. No offense, <laughs> EW, insulting you know that I stole your work, but um, <laughs> yeah, they're just a lot of them are like out of order and I don't know they're half written as recaps and half written as reviews and so I clip out the review stuff and just kind of add more facts, but. Yeah, so we get sent back to the uh, Mind Desert in Zoltan's stand, 
And uh, I guess David maybe expects to meet Farouk in the form of Oliver, but he's sitting there in all his glory, and the new actor uh, that took him over, and man, they, they made a good choice. Uh, a couple of the angles they shot on him in his face, just, he was a very striking Arabic man, but a couple of the angles yeah. on his face were just like, you could cut a panel out of some of the Shadow King scenes in the comics and just paste it on his face. He's just got that grin, you know, Joker-wide grin and uh, cool glasses and just someone you want to hang out and drink absinthe with or something, you know. <laughs> And then revel in all the, his delights, you know, that he can get you. Uh, oh, yeah, those glasses are dope. Yeah, so David sees the slick multilingual Amru Farouk face to astral projected face, pretty much kind of the first time. And David is there to reiterate his demand that no one else gets hurt in their scheme, but Farouk is looking for his sparring partner. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of an evil thing here. I, I got to kill people every now and then. And um, so they actually do a, an astral battle, which felt very much kind of like um, his and Xavier's first one in the books. Um, so the first line of attack, though, is, is philosophical, and he tries the old, you know, hey, dude, we're gods, you know, basically. You can fucking do anything you want. Why not just kind of enjoy that and rule these little ants with me, <laughs> you know, join with me, and together we will rule the galaxy, his parasite and mutant. Um and this argument harkens back to a, a side which a narrator explains, you know, the John Ham um, thing. For reality, humans, uh, for our reality for humans must be agreed upon you know, rather than simply experienced. And since Dave and Farouk have the power to control everything, they, by extension, control their collective reality. So from there, the Battle of Wits begins, and the two takes uh, a more literal turn as it becomes a wrestling match <laughs> that eventually evolves into a battle of swords, and then David turns into a tank and other less easily defined things, and eventually a few, after a few rounds of this bout, I just love the look on Farouk's face, and it's it's like enjoyment when he's standing there with a sword and all of a sudden you know, David comes up as a tank, he's just like, oh yeah, now you're learning. Now you're seeing how powerful you are. I think he's actually enjoying it. So after a few rounds, uh, the two come to an agreement that Farouk uh, promises not to kill anybody uh, during the search for his body and that he will be in David's debt if they succeed. So Farouk has one more scene with Leggy. Uh, Leggy? <laughs> Lenny. <Ooh>. Leggy Lenny, <laughs> yeah. He has Leggy. Yeah. Uh, where she begs to be released and, and have a new body made for her. So we basically, Lenny in the hospital that gets smushed into the wall was a real person uh, that, you know, for apparently is sucked into his vast brain and uses her when he needs to. But she's kind of like, hey, man, you jig is up. You're out of the closet, she literally says. And, you know, why don't you let me go back? And he's like, your body's dead, uh, dude. Sorry, but <laughs> you got nothing to go back to, really. She's like, hey, you're a god. You can make me another one. And he kind of asks her. He's like, why would you, you know, you can do anything here. Why Why would you even worry about, why would you want another mortal body again that dies? So you can get laid. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that's, that's like, I haven't been laid in so long. You have no idea. And uh, you would think that Farouk would be just like, just conjure yourself up. Fucking John Hamm, you know, he's here. <laughs> you make him do what you want. <laughs> these vast powers just never use them you know, to their fullest extent I would be a great supervillain yeah me too Yeah. 
Uh, Carrie manages to get out of other Carrie by convincing her to sing the tra la la theme from the banana splits. Which <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm glad you knew who it was. I didn't catch it at first. At first, I thought it was the Smurf theme. To be honest with you, that's tra la 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 la. Yeah, la, and then I'm like, la, 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 la. a little like, different. Yeah, I'm like is that banana <laughs> about ten years apart. Yeah, so yeah, banana splits. So that that theme will be in this podcast somewhere, kids. Yes. <laughs> if I can have anything to say about it, um, and because they need to split, get it, I guess. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't pick up on. <laughs> Not occur to me until you said it. That's great. Yeah. Genius. Uh, uh, Carrie undergoes the premature hair whitening as well. She does the rogue thing because she's been out of other Carrie too long. Um, or, yeah, she's been on the outside too long. Because remember, she doesn't age when, when she's in him. Yeah. And uh, David's next step after gathering the information uh, is to bring the uh, present spit, spit, uh, Sid up to speed. Uh, Melanie, though, is still struggling with her sense of uh, purpose and self-worth, and kind of surprisingly, she advises David to just run off with Sid, and, and, you know, it's like, hey, you know, the world doesn't really need you to save it, and even if people die, the real tragedy is forgetting to live, so kind of alarming, it's like, you know, is this, she was all the one about we need him to win the war, but she's just kind of... Well, she's... Uh, She's in a very different place right now. Yeah, she's smoking the blue, the blue flame or the blue smoke. Smoke, smoking the elephants, smoking man. The elephants, right? Not the elephant man. Back. No, no. Well, you know, and Michael so, Jackson tried to do that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where good old John Merrick's remains are these days. They're in the hot the. Um, the hospital uh, museum of uh, somewhere. They're there. They still study them. Good, good. Yeah, as well they should. Um, so with his mind, uh, David goes up to the roof to find Sid practicing body swapping with her cat again. Uh, yeah, and I would uh, totally do that. You could shit wherever you wanted; it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, not my cat. My cat better shit in her box. <laughs> yes. Future Sid asked uh, David not to tell anyone about her, but uh, David reasons that since it's uh, one Sid secret, it isn't really breaking his promise to tell the other Sid, except for that whole fucking time paradox thing. You're not supposed to let people know the future, asshole. Temporal, temporal logic, man. Yeah. Crazy. It takes about as much coaxing to get present Sid on David's side as it did to get David on future Sid's side, and the two of them trust each other unquestioningly, cross time even, and Sid... Uh, at least seems to trust herself just as much, even if it's her future self. And so they are now co-conspirators in tracking down the monk who is revealed in the episode's final shot to actually be right there in Division 3's giant storage room full of people who are infected with a teeth-chattering malady. Dun-dun-dun. So, man, a lot of movement in this episode. Um, yeah. And they're just... Rolling right along, man. There's, you know, it still stays weird, and and they're still getting some good plot stuff done, and just some great, great scenes in this one. Yeah, I'll shut up was, and let you guys rave. It's uh, I thought the music in this one especially was pretty, pretty freaking sweet. Like mm-hmm. just, 
it's usually pretty good and weird, but I mean, just from the beginning, it was a little bit different than what they usually do with the uh, credits rolling through the um, fortune teller's orb. I was like, that's pretty sweet. Mm. Yeah, they've always had creative ways to pop up the credits in this one, too. Yeah. Um, or the opening titles. What do you think, Pat? Um, definitely Shades of Hudson Hawk with their uh, attack on the bass and singing uh, Swinging on a Star together. <laughs> no Danny Aiello, though, right? No. <laughs> um, those balloons at the end that were all pointing at David that about gave me an anxiety attack the first time and the second time I watched it <laughs> like if I if I if I dreamt that that was going on I think I'd wake up pretty quick <laughs> it's like a what's well, like a Terry Gilliam idea taken to this level where it's like well let's make it look real mm-hmm. not have it be a cartoon hand that's like superimposed over the screen <laughs> have like a you know, ten floating fingers that are all pointing at this guy. Um, I didn't pick up on it uh, when we were talking about the first episode, but the uh, the burned face guy, he's all about, like, anything that you say, David, he's talking about, anything that David says that sounds like a cliche, I'm immediately not going to buy into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's what his whole, his whole thing was growing up and studying, you know, tropes with his mom. Right, yeah. Eating on them. Having so ice that cream is eating uh, contests. Yeah. Yeah. Ice cream bingo. Okay. Ice cream. You don't ice have amnesia. <laughs> you don't have amnesia. There is no evil twin. Yeah. Which means there probably is amnesia and an evil twin coming, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or there's at least other people in David's head. That's pretty much kind of confirmed at this point. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that they've never gone. That they didn't go more towards the comic book version of, or the early version of David, where it was literally a specific, you know, personality that would have certain powers for him. They, they never really, so unless everybody in the show is, is still all just David's personalities, which they could pull that rug out from under us anytime too. Um, yeah. But now it's, it's kind of weird that they're peppering in, you know, the, him actually talking to himself and, you know, is it, are we to believe it's future versions and, past versions of himself or other personalities they all sound like him so it's not they're not strictly doing the totally separate personality thing yeah i mean it's there's so much weirdness going on with it like i i mean if they don't go that route i'm not going to be disappointed because everything else they're doing is just so weird anyway i think it would take too long i mean and too much exposition for to really because that's kind of hard to explain I tried to explain that to my girlfriend, you know, the comic origin of him and stuff, and she just kind of looked at me like I had lobsters coming out of my ears. And uh, <laughs> stole that from Christmas Story. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, and even when I was reading it, like, Legion was kind of boring to me because it, like, well, this almost takes too much work. Just show me punchy, punchy. <laughs> so I think it might be better that they streamline it a little bit. Um, and just be like, yeah, he hears voices and, you know, there's several people rolling around in there, so we never know what he's going to do. He's crazy that way. And <laughs> so it's, it's working for me anyway. I think it's, oh, yeah. I think, I don't know. Uh, it's nice we're getting to see kind of his interactions with Lenny and Oliver, too, so it's like not completely 
fog of war type thing that you know we don't know what's going on it's just the it's the summerland people that don't know what's going on so it's an interesting we're seeing david's he's a more reliable narrator maybe this season than he was last season by far i mean yeah and uh, you know it's 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 one of those things where they could they have pulled the same trick this season and done the same exact thing yeah where you don't really get anything until the end of the season, but uh, this is more interesting to me. Yeah, yeah I hope. Uh, yeah, I hope it actually somehow draws new people in because you could pick up this season pretty easily, and, and they're doing some good exposition. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily need to know everything that went on last season to to catch up and, and get into it. Yeah, I mean, the first season trades on the what the hell is going on. This season is, well, you kind of know what the hell is going on now, but we're going to keep it weird. It's slightly slightly easier to comprehend this season, but I'm sure whatever weirdness they have in store will kind of change that perception. They're building the world mythology very well in this one. The monks and the miser Sunday and Shire is out there. You know, the fucking Shire exists in this universe, kids. That's yeah. <laughs> it's and it's the time huge. travel sphere. Yeah, and, you know, that's... You almost have to have time travel if you're talking about an X-Men property in, in any given... That's right. Any given, kind, you know, media. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of anything other than, like, Days of Future Past when they start doing that shit, but... I'm, I'm cool with it in this one, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'd almost rather not had them go there. Uh, I would rather see some interesting shit going on in the, you know, in the present here. But um, maybe they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, the kind of thing that's that, a trick too. I mean, if I were going to do an early prediction of it, he, I'd still say he probably ends up killing. Farouk, and and then of course the future gets all fucked, and you know then I have to figure that one out. But I don't know. I don't think you can have Farouk as like you know, if this is thinking of going several seasons. I don't think you can have him as just being the only villain all the time. No, uh, no, because that's just going to get old. It's going to be the same battles. It's going to be a lot of dance battles, which I'm good with. But we need uh, <laughs> need more, you know. We need a bigger bigger universe. We need a fucking alien to show up at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like not only did Sid not have a left arm, but she had something in lieu of a left arm back there. Mm-hmm. Almost like um, almost like a like an in like a what is it Jacob's ladder like insect body part mm-hmm. Ooh, oh. now see here's a theory i have what if the big bad is like the 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 techno virus like the cable has and that i know. was thinking about that the legacy virus yeah or uh yeah or possibly yeah. legacy virus yeah you know what i'm talking about the god, phalanx could, and the yeah. yeah yeah god they could do warlock on this show yeah i don't know if they'll he's probably being digitally added to the new mutants movie right now because they <laughs> delayed that for like six months but, um, yeah, something like, if you're already going to acknowledge aliens, why not, you know, in time travel? Yeah. It's like that's, they're all about the, the mutant viruses and alien infecting people. And uh, I actually thought the Phalanx Covenant was one of the, the better runs of the, like, 90s X's. Um, 
but so yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that one maybe like techno virus. That's one of Scott's predictions on the yeah. record. <laughs> I have no about, prediction. Palame's uh, kind of um, affection for the, uh, the Vermilion. Yeah, no, it was interesting. He really likes them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he likes them because he doesn't have to get anything from them. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's, not, there's no emotion there that he has to, or memory that he has to deal with. Yeah, that's. I thought this he killed was... his mom the first time he used that uh, that power too. Yeah, she he perceived her dying, which is like yeah. I think this show does so great showing like the psychological effect of these powers. I think that's been its true strength. Um, you know, just delving into that that you never really you saw it in the comics, but I mean, and you see it with stuff like Rogue and like, oh, I can't ever touch anyone. And we get that with Sid. Sid's a rogue, rogue surrogate. Um, but yeah, I think just like the the trauma. You the actors are selling it, man. It's like the trauma that Carrie and Carrie are going through, and now they're gonna have to stay apart for a while. And we've already seen that before, where you know she got all you know totally. I mean, they're they're like the the allegory for codependent, you know, relationships, <laughs> essentially, you know. And so, uh, yeah, this is great to see how traumatic the powers can be. And, you know, we, we like our fun superhero stuff, too, but I love these explorations as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I do like the the theory that this could be Logan verse too. I mean, it just feels like Logan verse. It feels like the Dark X universe that I always liked. Um, and it's just it's weird dead. that. Go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say it's. I mean, it, even if it's not in the movie or Logan or Prime X Men multimedia continuity, I mean, just the. You know, even if it's its own universe or, or the multiverse of the X Men, who cares? It's it's doing stuff that the main movies and stuff are just not going to do. And that's fine. I mean, I, I really don't want to see Cyclops having stories like this, you know, it's not really the place for him. I mean, nowhere is really the place for Cyclops, but I'm not a Cyclops fan. So whatever. Uh, It's too bad. They could just, the gifted could just do one little nudge weirder and they could almost hook up with this show down the line. Um, yeah, it could. I mean, at the end of the day, though, that's... Cuckoo's over there. Yeah, at the end of the day, though, that show is still... That's pretty much a straight-up superhero show. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's kind of the... It's like Days of Future, the past, the, the series, you know, the prequel series, almost. Kind of neat that way. Yeah. Did you say Gifted has the Stepford Cuckoo's on it, Scott? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> huh. That was pretty okay. surprising. And they're, they're all supposedly... They're, you know, the... The offspring of Emma Frost in the show. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, they're doing some deep pulls on that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I never really read it when the, those stories came around, but I, I noticed everyone else's amazement that it was happening online. So, I always think of Melanie Bird as kind of being the Emma, Emma Frost of this show. <sighs> Does she she doesn't have any powers though. I think that no, was but... kind of yeah implied this time, and I thought she did at first, but but yeah, she kind of did her little rant about it's like oh, I don't she didn't even have any skin in this game, and I followed this fucking you know I had to fall in love with this mutant asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, was she... first kind of 
drawing a lot, you know, drawing parallels watching the first season, I just kind of thought of Summerland as the Massachusetts Academy. Right. Yeah. Or even uh, Moira McTaggart, maybe she would be. Yeah. You know, kind of fling with Charles and. Um, mm. Moira's not apathetic, like. <laughs> no, no, she's not. Yeah. No. 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 Melanie, Melanie showed a little heart this time. She she gave up her quest and was like, you know what? Fuck this. You guys don't need this in your lives. Just go be happy. I'm just gonna sit and blaze. I don't care what happens. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't really care about the war anymore, man. <laughs> Why don't we just give Division Three some of this stuff? They'll be cool with it too. Do you, do you think it's gonna fall? <laughs> what? The Roman Empire? <laughs> Fuck it! Yeah. <laughs> wow, there's a deep pull. That's one of the best. Good to be of the Shadow time. King. <laughs> it's interesting that you were you're right about the uh, the stuff coming out of the elephant being the same stuff that came out of that frog. Yeah. It's blue, man. I told you it's blue, man. It's always blue. Yeah. <laughs> Want to go to Mars, man. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Is it Tuesday yet? Because, fuck, I'm loving this show again. You got a ways to go. Yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh can't take my eyeballs off it when it's when it's on because it's just it's just so goddamn weird and I, I love there's really nothing else like it on TV you know that's uh, yeah there's some dark shows on TV right now I mean but this is not only dark but it's got a black sense of humor and it's just so weird. And it just it, you either you either get what they're doing, you either get with it like right away, and and you hold on, or you just so this isn't my bag, which is fine. But uh, this sort of thing is my bag, baby. Yeah, yeah. I think that I love that the the actors' chemistry is getting better, and it just they're writing them a little more. You know, we're gonna know them, and there's just funny natural stuff going on now, and it just it, I'm you know among the bizarreness and. Since yeah. uh, I would say this is the best group of like character actors getting together to do a show since uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. It's pretty impressive. Like and, I can't, yeah. I can't think of any other thing where it was people that were all sort of known as having bit parts on other shows. Yeah. Before they did this. Well, like Gene Smart, and they, like Designing Woman, you know. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a far cry. Yeah, but it's like. You know, Deep Space Nine, Cisco was Hawk on um, Spencer for Hire. Yeah. Spencer for Hire. And, you know, uh, Renee Borjanov was just a character actor. And same with. Uh, it was Colonel West. Come on. Yeah. It's Colonel well, Noah, and, I mean, the guy who's running this, you know, his. I still haven't watched any Fargo, but he was getting some huge stars coming over for that thing. Yeah, I haven't watched Fargo was amazing. Oh, dude! Yeah. It's just as good. it is just as good as this. Yeah, so I've heard. I'm not going to say better, but it's just as good. All right, it's a pretty impressive. I mean, um, what was it? Uh, Bilbo was over there for a while, wasn't he? Martin Freeman. Yep. Yeah, yep. and um, a few others. It completely escaped my mind right now. But so I, yeah, I don't think there's any. It's out of the realm of possibility. We might see some even more impressive actors show up on this one eventually. Yeah, well, I'm down for whatever Jermaine Clemenson. So yeah, I mean, he's just he's just he's just a cool dude. 
And I didn't even make, I think I said this last season, but I didn't even make the connection when we were first watching this last year that he was uh, one of the vampires in What We Do in Shadows. See me. <laughs> I still need to watch that. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I won't oh, do my. any lines from it then because it's, it, I, I've watched it three times in like the last three months and it's it gets funnier every time it I see really it. It really does. It's, just this- it's amazing. Pretty sure it's on Prime. I should. It is on Prime. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's uh, he's supposed to maybe be doing a unless he's a little too big for his britches now, and Thor Ragnarok might be throwing some larger things at his in his way. But he's supposed to be doing one about the werewolves, I think. And they're actually making a TV. Don't watch the TV version first. Watch the original. They're making oh, like an Americanized version. TV series yeah. of what we do in shadows. I have like virtually no. No, you know, if it's Americanized, it's not just, you're gonna lose out on so much of the humor. Yeah, no, I just don't see the point. Yeah, that, unless uh, Tacky's like you're right behind it and, and involved in it, I have very little interest in it. But. Yeah, that I would put that at the top of the stack, Pat, because that's okay. it's only eighty minutes. So it's like you okay. can breeze through it, and it's, and it's just going to like put a whole new dimension to Oliver for you too. So <laughs> it really well, will. I was just... a Flight of the Concords fan, and I saw I saw that movie that was all I can't remember what the name of it was. Where he wanted to to beat up the crippled guy. I don't even know that one. <laughs> like I don't he had know a that fight. This, I had a fight with this guy in school. And he's all like his life is building to beating him up, and the gag at the end of the movie is the dude is like in a wheelchair. Oh Jesus! <laughs> and he just knocks the wheelchair on its side and it runs off. There you go. <laughs> oh, oh. And it's not a good movie, but especially not just to build to that gag. But <laughs> he's just a striking, humorous actor. I mean, you can't even look at him and not just like chuckle. He's just like got such a unique look. Yeah, he's just he owns everything he does. <laughs> he's almost unrecognizable in what we do in shadows. Yeah, that's why I didn't even get, didn't even connect with me because he just looks like a really good vampire in that. <laughs> yeah, he just absorbed into it. But Taika Waititi is always Taika Waititi. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Have either of you seen yeah. Gentleman Broncos? No, I don't even know what that is. So it's the guy. It's from the guy that did Napoleon Dynamite, but oh. this is more of an examination oh of like homeschool culture. Really? Oh god! Okay. And Jermaine Clement in this plays like a famous fantasy novelist who steals this homeschool kid's like fan fiction that he wrote, oh, and they'll show the fan fiction <laughs> that he's writing, and it stars uh, Sam Rockwell as like a hermaphrodite that gets superpowers from eating yeast cakes. <laughs> What is this called? I need to make note of this. Gentlemen Broncos? Gentlemen Broncos. Yeah, that's on my list. <laughs> you had me at Sam Rockwell becoming a hermaphrodite. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, that's all I got, kids, and I'm never in a nicotine fit yeah. from hell, so I'm, yeah. I'm all- <laughs> All right, gents. Uh, Till next week, then. Stay weird. Thanks, guys. Would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are. Or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long, funny ears. He 
kicks up at anything he hears. 